Gloucester Tales Series 3, the great Gloucester novel. Back in 2015, local writer Andrew Thorne ran the great Gloucester novel, a project funded by Arts Council England. Community groups around the city worked with him to generate ideas for short stories. These stories were then developed into a full-length novel called The Pride of Gloucester. Now, this series presents some of the original short stories read by Andrew Thorne and presented by me, your host, Jarek Adams. Hi, and welcome to episode three of The Great Gloucester Novel. And today's story is part two of Family, the story that we began last week. The character Evan is writing the history of a now-closed RAF base near Gloucester. And to discover more about an accident 60 years ago, he's tracked down Dr. McAllister, the last surviving officer from the time. Despite being hospitalised and near death, Dr. McAllister insists on being interviewed to set the record straight. But during the interview, he begins to pry into a traumatic death from Evan's own childhood, which Evan is uncomfortable talking about. McAllister reveals that just before the accident, he had diagnosed his friend and colleague with a terminal illness. So we rejoin the story as McAllister relates how he broke the terrible news to his friend. So, listener, make yourself comfortable and enjoy part two of Family. I stayed with him for hours. Eventually he pulled himself together. That's what we did back then. He started thinking rationally. He had no savings, of course, and a young new wife to provide for, so he asked me to keep it quiet, get rid of the records of the examination and redo it after he'd had time to get life insurance. I didn't want to, but he was my friend. It was his last chance to provide for her. So I got rid of the papers. Wasn't hard back then. We didn't have computers or photocopiers, just smudgy carbon copies in a filing cabinet. It was unethical. But I wanted to give him a chance. The last chance to provide for Elizabeth. McAllister frowned. It was pretty soon after that that the accident happened. I remember the look on the face of the nurse who came running in to tell me. Horrible thing for a woman, for anyone, to have to say. He'd been working on a plane. Shouldn't have been alone. Well, you know what happened. (coughs) I was his doctor, so I was brought in to look at the medical side of things. Your tape recorder is still running, yes? McAllister struggled to turn his head and look at Evan's recorder. It's digital, but... Yes, it's still recording. Good. He closed his eyes and took a long, rattling breath. Didn't take me long to realise he'd done it himself. Brilliantly, of course. No one would have guessed suicide. He had everything to look forward to. Good career, lovely new wife. And going by his medical records, he had his health, too. Everyone knew he had steel, but it's impossible to imagine anyone having enough nerve to deliberately walk headfirst into an aeroplane propeller. Evan sat forward. It wasn't an accident? 
McAllister smiled. He'd sorted his insurance out very well. No problem there, and a very good payout in case of accidental death. So what could I do? Tell what I knew? Invalidate his policy? Take his pension away from Elizabeth and ruin his good name? Or stick with the accident story, knowing that meant someone else would have to get the blame? He paused to steady his breathing. What you need to understand is the RAF was my family. Took me in when I had nothing and made me a man. Everyone on that base was like a brother to me. Didn't like a lot of them, of course. But it's like that with families sometimes, isn't it? You do right by them, even if they're a pain in the arse. <laughs> so there was only one thing for it. Keep to the accident story, but make damn sure no one else got blamed. How did you cover it up? How did you find out about your father's affair? Evan sighed. Fine. He told me. We were both in the hospital for a long time, and he could see that I was blaming myself for the crash, so he told me. He said that was why they were arguing. That was why she crashed the car. Did it help to know? Things didn't get better. After that, he couldn't look at me. Had a breakdown. I got fostered out, and now we don't speak, and... I haven't seen him for years. So how did you cover up the suicide? <laughs> it wasn't easy, believe me. I worked so hard to shape the investigation so that the cause became a, a series of little inconsequential systemic errors that just piled up in a most tragic way. In many ways, I did the best work of my life there. <laughs> in the end... No one to blame, and even led to changes in protocols that made training safer. Well, you've read the official reports. And I've kept my mouth shut ever since. Did you tell Elizabeth? God, God, no. I didn't dare tell anyone. Have you any idea the importance of what I did? I'd have been court-martialed. Not to mention the effect it would have had on her. Suicide back then, especially in the armed forces, was a terrible crime. Looking after her, helping her get through it all, <laughs> eventually marrying her. You think I wanted her knowing what I'd done? The position he'd put me in, and possibly others on the base, and my lying to her all those years? McAllister shook his head feebly. I think that's the worst thing. Lying to everyone. Fact is, after she'd gone, years after I'd retired, there were plenty of opportunities for me to set the record straight. It gnawed at me, knowing I'd been party to blotting the base's copybook. I was so proud of Talford's record when I was assigned there. Felt like one of the elite. As I said, they were my family. But the longer I kept the secret, the harder it was to admit. I could have told all years ago without any repercussions, except admitting to everyone that I'd lived a lie for decades. I'm sure people would have understood, like you said. He, he was your family. 
But like I said, I hate him now. His dying, his suicide, destroyed my life. And do you want to know the worst thing? About a year after his death, they found a treatment. Wouldn't have cured him, but he could have lived a decentish life for a damn sight longer. <coughs> McAllister's voice broke into a coughing fit again. Dr McAllister. Yes, laddie. Do you regret it? McAllister frowned. No. I may hate him now. He may have ruined my life, but no. I do have some regrets, like not telling Elizabeth. Families shouldn't have secrets. It becomes too corrosive. More than that, I regret not being smarter. Smarter? If I'd had taken the care, paid enough attention to what he was saying, I might have realised what he was going to do and stopped him. Of course, at the time, that would have seemed like condemning him to a terrible, lingering death. So maybe I wouldn't have. But I've been a damn sight more careful at listening to people ever since. But no, I, I don't regret what I did. Couldn't do anything else with the information I had at the time. However much it damaged me personally, like you said, he was family and that's what you do for family. You take the pain so they don't have to. That's what he did for Elizabeth. That's what I did for him. And now that's what I'm doing for Talford. A little late. But better late than never. Doctor, I, I need to ask you what you're telling me. Do you want this in the book? Yes. No. Oh, I don't know. It just feels good to get it off my chest. <laughs> Lord knows there's enough on my chest without this too. You insisted on seeing me. There must be a reason. I suppose it felt like my last chance to tell someone. So, yes, after all these years, it's time to set the record straight publicly. Talford Base was my family. You've got to do right by your family, however long it takes. Evan placed a hand on McAllister's bony shoulder. If you don't want this to get out, there's no need for it. You're the only one left who was there at the time, and Talford Base has long gone. It's not gone, damn it. As long as there are stories about it, it's not gone. Let it have its unblemished record back. I need to tell the truth. One last chance to do right by my family. Put it in the book. There was a tap at the door and the nurse entered. I'll have to ask you to leave now. It's time for his treatment. Laddie, said McAllister, I'll not live to see this in print. But do what I ask. Let me take this last chance to do right by my family. Evan stood. I will, sir. Thank you for seeing me. Laddie. Yes? McAllister looked at Evan pointedly. 
the people who love you, your family. They take the pain so you don't have to. Evan sat in his car outside the hospital for a long time. Then he pulled his phone from his pocket and dialed. Hello? Came a voice. Dad? It's Evan. Oh. What do you want? His voice asked gruffly. Why didn't you tell me... It was Mum that had the affair, not you. There was a silence at the other end of the line. How did you find out? Why? Why didn't you tell me it was her? More silence. Then the voice came back, faltering. I didn't want you... Well, we just lost her. I couldn't get her out of the car. You felt so guilty about the argument. I'd, I didn't want you... The voice started breaking up into sobs. Evan's mind spun back in time. Oh, God. It was me that put you onto her, wasn't it? I'm so sorry. It was such a little thing you said, in all innocence. But I couldn't save her. I felt so guilty. And part of me blamed you, and then I, I saw what we'd done to you. I couldn't... I just... I couldn't. I lost my family. Dad? Dad? The voice on the other end of the phone managed to stop sobbing. And Evan could just hear uneven breathing. Sorry, it said. Evan rubbed the stinging from his eyes with the heel of his hand. Dad, can I come round and talk? So, Andrew, for new listeners, remind us of where this story came from. Well, I was running the Great Gloucester Novel Project back in 2015, and this story came from suggestions from a group of retired RAF drinking buddies who were into thrillers and mysteries. But the main theme that came out of their talking about the RAF was that it was like a family, and you felt a responsibility to both it and to the people you worked with. So that prompted the idea of a conflict between those two loyalties. And the part about Evan and his own family trauma? Well, the project involved working with uh, lots of groups and writing short stories for them, but then using the stories to build a novel in which the stories were embedded and worked as part of the novel story as well, as well as working as standalone stories. <laughs> that meant a lot of toing and froing between writing the stories and then coming back to them once I had an understanding of what the novel would be about. In this story, I needed a modern family plot to reflect the historical plot and, and universalise the idea of family making personal sacrifices for each other. 
And I was already seeing how the stories would work in the novel, that the short stories would be told by a main character as a way of showing what was going on in the character's head. So the story in the novel prompted the Evan story. Yeah, well, it, it kind of worked both ways. This story prompted ideas for the novel and then the novel prompted ideas to feed <laughs> back into rewriting the short story. So I suppose a lot of people think that novels are just written down straight out of the writer's head, fully formed. But there's actually an awful lot of rewriting that goes on. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, if you're writing any kind of fiction, the very act of writing it gives you more ideas that you can go back and feed into it to make it better. Um I think that's where a lot of people starting to write a long piece of fiction hit problems. They get stuck in an endless cycle of trying to get the first chapter right before moving on. Whereas it, it's way better to power on through a first draft to the end and see what new ideas it gives you that can go into the rewrite. Um, that's how you get more depth into a work. It's it's organic growth. OK, listeners, so you heard it here first. And, and as a reminder, you can get your own copy of Pride of Gloucester and not only read this and the other short stories, but you can see how they fit together to make the full novel. There's a link in the description for the episode, right? That's right. You can get a copy of the illustrated novel Pride of Gloucester featuring this story from our eBay shop. You just click the link in the description or copy and paste the link into your browser or just go to ebay.co.uk and search for Pride of Gloucester. So thanks, Andrew. And thanks, listeners. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and look out next Sunday for next week's story from the Great Gloucester Novel Project. The Great Gloucester Novel is part of the Gloucester Tales podcast presented and written by Jarek Adams and Andrew Thorne. The Great Gloucester Novel Project was funded by Arts Council England. Thank you.